Hey everybody, and welcome to Pale in Comparison, a proud member of the Doof Network. In this podcast, my sister from another mister uses her knowledge of the otherverse to take a look at Pact, Wildbow's least chill work, and I try not to give away any spoilers. I'm Jenniet, and Malia convinced me to come back to Pact. I'm Malia, and Jenniet convinced me that the bookworm is the coolest other ever. This episode, we are covering Possession, chapters 13, nope, 15.3, 15.4, and 15.5. Before we get into that, however, I'd like to issue a spoiler warning. This podcast is filled with pale spoilers. If you don't know whether Griffin ever wakes up from his sweet dreams and don't want us to tell you, stop now, repale, and come back to this podcast. As for Pact, there will be full spoilers of the chapters we are covering. Whew, and what what a set of chapters we are covering this week. <laughs> it's so much. I'm <laughs> really excited to talk about these chapters with you. Yeah, if I if I didn't know that Jenny was a better person than this, I would assume that like she did it on purpose that she you know <laughs> just coincidentally couldn't make it the week that we had three insane chapters all to do at once. So insane. Uh, this is great. Yeah, my I had my bridal shower today and um so mom's in town just like a bunch of stuff is happening and jenny was like well maybe you could like push it back again i was like no i have to talk about these chapters i have to read more i can't (laughs) you you don't just want to sit on on the end of 15.5 for another couple of weeks just (laughs) just the lawyers (laughs) i think from memory Rupert and I took like a two-week break after fifteen dot three, and that I remember that being awful. Why would you do that? Oh, Ruben went on holiday. Or something. It was it was Christmas time, I think. Oh yeah, bummer. So yeah, I understand your pain. Yeah, these are fun. But before we talk about these chapters, we want to remind y'all that there's a fan art contest. Yes. Uh, um, theme is till death do us part. Um to celebrate the 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 wedding in the aforementioned bridal shower was for. Ooh. Uh I was gonna say like Blake and Alexis. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Too soon, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's due uh submissions are due Friday, May fifth. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Cool. Um, I think yeah, uh, well, especially just coming off of of Pale, I feel like Monty and Monty and Turtle Queen fan <sighs> will be hot for this one. I'm really excited, even though Monty's scary. Um, <laughs> they're so great. Um, and then, uh, oh, well, I, I've been saying this a lot on Power Reflections. But I'm just going to reiterate it here too. Uh, Poke is is a valid submission for anybody who, who's read Poke and thinks maybe they want to submit Poke fan art. Uh huh. One day, Malia, you'll 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 be able to understand. Hopefully, <laughs> soonish. Yeah. Um, well, because I, you know, I I I don't want to get into specifics, but you know, the 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 boy and the couple that I'm talking about from Poke, his name's Ben too. So there'll be a lot for you to relate relate to when you get there. Does that sound like a really bad thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm just glad. You're uh, you're probably not going to read it till after the wedding, so I can't be uninvited for saying that. Fair. <laughs> <sighs> um. Well, should we get into into these chapters? Let's do it. 
Um, cool. So, oh, just let me take a deep breath before I get into this quote-unquote summary. <laughs> so the group is assembling at the top of the Abyssal Library. Uh, there's only a small pair of shears between them and the exit, um, but the sort of standoff ends very quickly when Alistair begins drawing a binding diagram for Barbatorum. Blake and the Timeless Armor try to distract Barbie, uh, and they get some help from a cool new bookworm other, um, but things don't go very well, even with Dionysus lending a hand and Rose being extra bossy. Uh, luckily, Johannes takes the fall for everyone. Uh, the gang moves <laughs> to the actual exit, and impressed with his performance, the Abyss gives Blake a not-so-exciting job offer. Evan and Green Eyes try to explain why he shouldn't take it, and also Rose is on their side, surprisingly. Uh, Ty and Tiff bring up some of their own points. The Abyss tries to throw a bit of Alexis into the deal, but Rose proves that she really is the other half of Blake by making the most unpredictable and bonkers move anyone has done in this story so far. Uh, so yeah, Blake gets his bearings in his new digs, aka Rose. Uh, he views some old home movies and he meets his new roommate, uh, who we'll call Big C. Uh, outside, Alistair and Rose kind of catch up with their rival cousin couple, Ainsley and Peter. Uh, and they all begin to debrief. Meanwhile, back inside of Rose, Blake is trying to make friends with Conquest, but unfortunately, he's no Avery. Uh, Conquest starts to put the squeeze on Blake, uh, but is interrupted because our old friend Miss Lewis shows up, and she's taking it pretty personally that Rose took an abyssal job offer rather than one at her firm. So, Malia, what do you think of these chapters? (laughs) So much happened. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I'm, I'm, I feel like I've been trying to make really off the wall bonkers predictions in this story, and I really wish that I had done some sort of brainstorming exercise or something last week and been like, you know, Blake will possess Rose because who would ever think that that's where this was going? <laughs> <laughs> but he named the fucking arc possession. It's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so I, upsetting. Yeah, I think. Wait, the thing I've learned from following live reads of Pact is that no matter how crazy your predictions are, Blake and Rose will manage to outdo them. (laughs) It's impossible to keep up with these two. Pact just continuously outdoes whatever. Like, people are like, my crazy prediction is X. And it's like, that's that's only half as crazy as what really happens. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I also, I don't know whether to count the big scary thing in the pillar library that we may or may not ever learn anything about as a win for my demon under the house theory but it feels <laughs> like the demon under the house got sucked down and is the huge thing in the pillar <laughs> <laughs> well i guess uh you know keep an eye out uh for uh. <laughs> see. I, it, it's kind of crazy that the light like the library was only in it for three chapters i always forget Mm -hmm. that it's like such a crazy place it's wild that it's only like you know it took them three chapters to get out Mm -hmm. i'm trying to remember how long they were in the abyss um in the tenements um and that wasn't hey you were here for the tenements episode too oh yeah it was yeah that well that yeah i think that was only a chapter or two as well yeah i'm the abyss specialist apparently which (laughs) uh, i'm gonna i I can't help but take personally (laughs) yeah um i mean just so much in this book moves so much faster um it's thinking about like if this was how he how wild has been approaching pale yeah i just think that like things would take a lot longer 
um it's hard to imagine them like camping out in the abyss for a week or whatever but it it feels like yeah it would just yeah well i guess pale's probably done stuff like this too because you know we're talking about these abyssal locations that were only seen so briefly but like you could probably say the same thing about like the fairy courts in pale we Mm-hmm. we've seen them but we haven't really spent time there was like the excursion there which was a couple of chapters right and um, i guess some of the early like um i think you have arc five where the others are all invading after sharon breaks the perimeter and those were kind of like speedy jumping around yeah um lots of stuff changing quickly um it's just <laughs> these fucking chapters it was like okay the We've like maybe managed to keep Barbatorum in the abyss. Question mark. Johannes is dead. Will we ever see Barbatorum again? I don't know where the story is going. Right. <laughs> and then we flash to Blake has to become like a ruler of the underworld. Uh, no, just kidding. He's going to possess Rose. <laughs> <laughs> and then we flash to like conquest is a problem, and the lawyers are more of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like oh yeah we dealt with we just dealt with barbatorum totally not a concern in my mind right now <laughs> and, that's just, and then like face all's out there it's just yeah. or is he because like you know i don't understand the johannes um possession as well as maybe i thought i did but we can talk about that when we get there yeah yeah I, yeah i think yeah that'll be a good a good thing to talk about but yeah it's definitely arc 15 um, like I did come in here wondering if I should change change the you know the little arc intro thing from Wildbo's least chill work uh, for Jenny, but then I was like I was looking at it and I was like, there's no better way to describe what Arc 15 is doing right now than no chill. Um, <laughs> like as you said, this arc just you, you don't know what to expect because it's just going from bonkers to bonkers. Yeah, um, this is up there so far with one of my favorite arcs. Um, yeah. Just, Arc 15 is definitely in my top two. It's crazy. Yeah. I'll be excited um, once I'm done to ask what your other favorite arc is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but I can't it's... talk about that right now. But yes. Um, <laughs> shall we Shall we go through the chapters? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, yeah, so 15.3 uh, opens back in the library. They've reached the top. There's this small pair of shears between them and what they currently think is the exit. Uh, and there's a bit of a standoff. The, the chess board is set up. Uh, but the piece ends as Alistair starts drawing his binding diagram. Um, Alistair continues to surprise me. Um, <laughs> and I like, it's just, I was like, this is the most annoying little shit. Why is he in this story? <laughs> like his like fucking tarot deck. Like I hate this. And I have like completely 180. I'm like, Alistair is so great. He's like really heroic. Um, he's like self-sacrificial. He is like really sweet to rose um and he like i don't know he's just so courageous in this moment like he's the only one that can really stop barbatorum and he's like okay fuck it like let's go <laughs> like like <laughs> let's fucking i'm going to start doing this and it's awesome um yeah um he just i don't know continues to surprise me um blake reminded us uh of the fact that he keeps being tricked by uh people in binding circles and i guess barbatorum isn't really in a binding circle at this point but just the idea that barbatorum is like i'm gonna put some shears 
and they're gonna think it's me and it's gonna be so funny because they're idiots like (laughs) (laughs) it's really great well yeah and like like it's just the blake talks a lot in here about how like he doesn't feel fear or anxiety (laughs) so much anymore but it's like you you could still see the result of the kind of mind games of fighting a demon because yeah like he sees the shears and he's just like but what if it's a trick like he's I, I mean, these guys have been through a lot recently, I guess. <laughs> uh, like, in story time, it's it's been, like, an hour since he was at Mara's place. Oh, my so, God. So, <laughs> like, no wonder he's kind of having a meltdown, I guess. Yeah, and just the idea that, like, delaying because you think that Barbatorum is right there, and then later realizing that you could have just, like, ran across and gotten out, like, that would be so painful. And, like... <laughs> Thinking about that even being a possibility is such a mindfuck, and you're just like, ah, it's awful. But yeah, but at least Alistair is here because you're right. The it's I can't even remember when it happens, but you go from thinking Alistair is the smarmy villain to like, is he a good guy now? (laughs) It's so weird. I love it. I yeah, I remember reading his his interlude. I was like. You know, he's still a little shit, but I kind of like him. And then just something, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, I think the, when you, when Blake learns that Alistair and Rose are engaged, like, right, hmm. uh, when they, like, have that talk and they, like, they almost make that deal and then Molly interrupts or whatever, that I think I was like, I am on board with this character. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, it's funny how, like, in, uh, 15.5 we get to see in rose's head and how she's like he has a really punchable face but he's also kind of hot <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> yes this is this is this man um although he's not doing as annoying of shit um anymore but maybe he's just like found the grace within himself or something yeah he's also surrounded by thorburns now which like maybe it's all <laughs> relative right it like you could put anyone next to peter and it's like oh he's a really nice guy <laughs> that, that is yeah a really good point if um alistair was kind of being like a douchebag and then there was peter like it would be too much um but also maybe it would it would just drown out it would be he would be drowned out um, um I, I also love blake's little analysis of rose and alistair as a couple like he He's sort of like, it's not a pairing that's of love yet, but he doesn't think they're a bad match, which, given Blake and Rose's relationship, feels like about as positive as Blake's going to get <laughs> for her being in a relationship, right? Yeah. Um, and it's interesting how well he uh, knows her. I think later on, before he's in her head, he picks up on, um, like, she... Rose gives Alistair, like, a a hug or something, and, like, maybe it was just, like, super fucking weird and awkward and everyone thought it was weird, but, like, I don't know, I just feel like Blake is picking up on a lot of Rose's awkwardness and weirdness, Mm. um, just because of, like, how well he knows her, and it's nice thinking, like, it'd be weird if, uh, yes, these two are super in love now, um... (laughs) And, you know, this isn't just, like, kind of a really fucked up situation that they're trying to make the best of. Um, But I'm surprised that it's how supportive and stuff of each other they are. But I guess maybe they realize, like, 
this is happening. And so we might as well try to make the best of it. Yeah, because I guess, I mean, we don't know exactly what deal they made, what mm-hmm. like what the deal they made is, but I imagine it's not too easy to get out of the marriage, right? So I guess like, you know, if you're in a world where you it's either like be in this marriage or be forsworn, I guess you got to try and make it work. Mm-hmm. Not, and not it, an ideal yeah. situation, but. <laughs> it's also just wild, like, like Alistair showed up there with an engagement ring and like we didn't see the conversation of like you will try to marry my half granddaughter um but i mean we don't see him like freaking out about it in his head or be or like really fighting it or being like this is awful we just see him being like okay time to propose to this woman (laughs) (laughs) and that's pretty wild yeah oh so would do you think it's working out so far then this his plan to marry rose was this a was this a pro or a con move oh interesting um i think the issue is like grandma rose is gonna cut her grandchild in half and unleash chaos and so given the knowledge of that fact like i think the bahams are doing better than the duchamps um and better than johan is so <laughs> i think everyone's doing better than johanna's right now to be fair <laughs> <laughs> what a baby i love it <laughs> um so yeah i guess i'm trying to wonder what it would have been like if they'd given if they'd made whatever his name was head of the family the like bland kid um that i don't know if we ever actually met um because yeah alistair's made a bunch of like insane moves but without this night you know they wouldn't have oh hey then he made a night and he made it night (laughs) (laughs) but without the the suit of armor they wouldn't have um had a chance really i guess against barbatorum i don't know Hmm. well i guess i guess we'll see as uh (laughs) as the story continues yes um i I also wanted to quickly bring up uh the blake blake uses this chessboard analogy and sort of explains uh how everyone is is their own sort of chess piece um Except there's no pawns. There's just a Blake. Because uh, he kind of... And, and it's funny, this is one of those lines that hit me very differently having read Pale than it did when I just read Pact. But he makes a note of there's no other sacrificial pawns because there's no other others. Like, all the others are gone already. So there's no oh. sacrificial pieces. And I was like, oh, that's not very nice, Blake. Like, uh, But that I, I don't think I heard that line like that when I just read Pact. Um but yeah, what do you what do you think about Blake's chessboard analogy? Um, yeah, I thought it was really fun. Uh, it's really striking visually being able to imagine them like in a line, um, the relative roles and powers that they have like in the upcoming fight and in the group as a whole, and just the idea of Blake as like the ultimate pawn. Um, <laughs> It just it hurts and it, it it's like it rings very true. Um he uh, like it also it reminded me of the fool card again, I guess, um, as well. But like Alistair and Roses the King and Queen was perfect. Um and in this fight, like I mean, Blake is probably one of the most useful uh pieces, I guess, on the board. Definitely one of the most mobile, not very pawn like in his movements but Mm. alistair is like the person they need to protect the most who can't move 
a ton because he's drawing <laughs> on the ground. Rose like almost like like uh cinches the whole thing. Like she almost fucking like dominates um with her badassery, like I don't know. That was queen energy. And then <laughs> I'm trying to remember if Jeremy was in like the bishop position or whatever, but he was really important trying to like hold everything together. Johannes ended up being really important. And then like, I don't know, there's some behames or whatever. Like that just felt <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah it is and it's interesting how sometimes it feels like blake doesn't think of himself as an other um in that he doesn't really think of himself as well i don't know he does think of himself as disposable because he's constantly like it's better that i die than all these other people and i'm like okay (laughs) um but yeah it it doesn't feel like he's thinking like i'm the only other left for them to use i don't know (laughs) He, do- he does also have that interesting thought where he says Rose builds things whereas he tears them down. Um, and that's why he's deferring to Rose at this point, um, which I thought was very interesting given uh, the parallels between uh, angels and demons in terms of creating versus destroying. Yeah. Like Blake has created a dichotomy and labeled himself the demon. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of like what has Rose built like Blake has killed people and used the hyena, and that's a very like destruction type item. Um, he is really chaotic, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I see either of them as one or the other. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you know, Blake doesn't have the best history of like accurately <laughs> gauging his limits, uh, right. and yeah, stuff. So that's fair, right? And yeah, it's nice. Or. <sighs> He's just very willing to put everyone else in front of himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To a fault, you could say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so I, I guess we'll get we'll get further into this fight with Barbatorum, uh, which basically is, yeah, Blake and the timeless armor mostly trying to take him. Um, the bookworm comes in here too. Best other. Mm. Really fun, really cool. <laughs> oh <my God>. Um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, things things don't go well. There's a bunch of moves played out here. Dionysus lends a hand at one point. Uh, the the part you mentioned before, where Rose gets really bossy um, <laughs> and tries to you know basically send Barbatorum to his room. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, none of it really works. Uh, she's girl boss. <laughs> girl boss energy. <laughs> I, it it hurts reading it every time because it it works for a bit and like mm-hmm. it, it sort of let you just get your hopes up a little bit that this will help and then it's just like ugh. <laughs> it was so close and it was great yeah it just ugh. Um, um, oh uh, sorry I forgot to mention the part where Blake <laughs> does get caught by Barbatorum for a bit and then Alexis uh, quote unquote saves him uh, by shooting him with a giant lightning bolt and causing his stomach to explode out. It works. <laughs> yeah, it does work. Uh, to be fair. <laughs> oh, that that part was something else. Um, so I didn't understand why this horrible human centipede thing was <laughs> here. Human centipede cobra. Um, and so the fact that it's called the bookworm is great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think to be fair, I think that's just the fan name that. <laughs> right. Tr- yeah. But it's I like because yeah. it's a library and like. <laughs> the only thing that makes it sense for it to be here thematically is if it's a bookworm. So that's very fun. Yeah. I also <laughs> wondered if maybe like 
Because the abyss is like moving others in here, and I wonder if the bookworm is just like a really high tier boogeyman. And so the abyss was kind of freaking out a little bit about Barbatorum and was just kind of like, uh, you go in there, like you, you can't bookworm, you sort of fit, like you know, books, Help. bookworms, that'll do. Please stop this evil demon inside of me. Uh, but yeah, this might be the most like disgusting and upsetting thing that. <laughs> I've ever yeah. read in a wild book story, except for maybe Nursery and Ward. That was pretty bad. But <laughs> there's this no is... fan art of this thing yet. Can you believe that? Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I had totally blocked this out in my uh, memory between my first and second read, and <laughs> my notes are just like, "I forgot about this. I really don't want this. No thanks. Uh, it's so gross. <laughs> I hate this. I hate this. Like, <laughs> it's so gross." There's there's so much emphasis put into how like moist and wet it is too, which is also not very nice. And just like the experiences of the individual humans yeah. and all of it, it's so bad. <sighs> Good times. I love this thing. <laughs> uh, but Bookworm's such a good name. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, um, just remember, it's, it's now canon. You said it's your favorite other in the intro. So <laughs> that's now, that's legally binding. Verbal contract. No, no. This is the worst thing I've ever experienced. <laughs> <sighs> I was like, oh, the human centipede thing. How do I make it worse? Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it Yeah, it feels like Walbo was trying to one-up the human centipede movies. He did it. I haven't seen those movies, but... <laughs> But he did it. <laughs> the um, and then it's like also you know I think with boogeymen in particular, after you know after reading Pact, I'm always going to think like how did they get there? And just this chain mm. of like over a hundred people, and like how did they get there? I don't <laughs> want to know. It's so ah. Here's here's another fun game we could play. <laughs> um. And I, I've done this a little bit as a listed or listed to the podcast, but I think after Pale, like we've seen in Pale, you know, Kennet is really good at finding places for people, helping them redeem themselves, like finding their niche. So like, how would Kennet help the bookworm? Where, <laughs> like, how does, you know, 23.10, the next chapter, the bookworm arrives in Kennet. You know, where where do we help it set up shop? How do we integrate the bookworm into Kennet? Huh. Was it? actively trying to attack anything because at one point it's just sort of like a big shield blocking blake and bleeding all over everything um maybe it could like be underground as a part of like the perimeter and they can like i don't know if they make it long enough it could be the perimeter. no no <laughs> they can't make it longer <laughs> um they probably can't deconstruct it uh i mean it would have to be in kennet below right like it oh yeah i don't i don't feel like it vibes with kennet found or <laughs> kennet above no. but kennet below maybe i mean it kind of depends on like what what is it what does it want and yeah. i want to see it go down the slide <laughs> um <laughs> i think that'd be really fun oh. It could work for the vice principal and like kids could play with it at lunch at the school. Like, cause it's like, um, like a, a merry-go-round sort of thing. Like everyone hops on, like it could be a ride. Yeah. Okay. 
would the vice principal somehow make it like even bigger or something like her 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 mount or whatever it's called oh interesting that'd be horrifying (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe we shouldn't entrust it to her (laughs) but some sort of fun yeah ride could (laughs) i'm i'm into it yeah i I mean because there's other boogeymen too you could play this game with we don't have to like um there was the 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 diary paper girl who I didn't mm. like get her last chapter to promise not to hurt people anymore. Yeah. So she could go to Kennet. She should totally go to Kennet. Maybe she could hang out with Verona because books. I don't know. <laughs> um, but there's also the, the faceless woman and the revenant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, oh, the last episode I was on, there was that, the, the boogeyman <gasps> the, they let the go. The suit guy. Yeah. yeah. He was so great. I hope he ends up a it. Every time anything like abyssal tangential happens in Pale Dow, I'm like, have I seen this boogeyman? Like, should I recognize yeah. them? Like, ooh. <laughs> and so I mean, far, same. I don't know, but it's, it's exciting every time. Because <laughs> I appreciate Wildbo's kind of commitment to not like spoil Pact in Pale or whatever to kind of keep them separate. Um, mm. But there have been enough like tiny hints at crossovers that it's just like <gasps> yeah and especially as the abyss has become a bigger part of pale mm-hmm. um it must have been harder not to as you say just just slip in a couple of familiar boogeymen <laughs> and i feel like if the faceless woman was mentioned just like straight up pale readers would be like it's dark miss like what's going <laughs> on <laughs> like they'd like yeah. obsess over her abyssal miss yeah <laughs> i i do remember people <laughs> i do remember people very early in pale thinking that the faceless woman could be uh, that miss could be the faceless uh-huh. woman. there yeah. was a point of confusion very early on i remember being excited uh when we see her in like the first arc because i was like it's sort of like miss like ah. <laughs> but actually they've got fairly different personalities yeah yeah miss is way more rigid <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a tad less violent <laughs> Um, uh, so, something else I want to talk about this section. This is, I think this is also the part where Ellie and Kristoff just, just book. They, they, mm-hmm. they sneak around the side and just run. I was so proud of them. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Cause I think they kind of have to like, they climb down a little bit and climb back up and the, yeah, just like Thorburn's sticking together and helping each other. Cause like they can't do anything. Like they need to just get out. And she is helping Kristoff and they're, you know, they're, they're crossing those immediate family boundaries to come together mm. more um and that was great um, yeah because no wait th- there's no sense especially from blake of him being like i can't believe they're abandoning us here right like uh-huh. there's no judgment on them running it's just like yeah i mean you've got a shot fucking go like get right. out of here. it's like don't look at the demon and <laughs> like good like good on you yeah. <laughs> well done leave yeah it, it was funny how they're like so not a concern for Barbatorum or something that when Blake's like, fuck, don't look at him, go. Bar- <laughs> Barbie's like, what? <laughs> Are you talking to someone? <laughs> What's going on? He's like, like trying to figure out if Blake's pulling something. And it's like, no, he's just. <laughs> he's trying to save some some newbies, some muggles. Yeah. Uh, what else? This this is a pretty big segment. Any other any other parts we want to call out? Um, 
Yeah, we. I mean, we mentioned that Alexis uh, strikes Blake with lightning. That's fun. Um, oh, one thing that is really cool that I was like super into is how the how Barbatorm will throw the shears and like jump into them and jump out of them and like throw them again. Like, like that's fucking so cool. <laughs> it's so like that's a hack. Like it, it's such a cheap move. Like it's, that's not fair. It just it's so fucking cool, and I can imagine like him practicing you know (laughs) like getting so it just kind of you know like avery just like black ropes all around whatever no big deal and i kind of imagine barbatorum like throwing the scissors and like you know because i i feel like he could just like not stand on anything you know he could he just as long as he keeps the momentum or whatever um and that's horrifying just like you can't i mean obviously he's he's a demon Mm. but you can't he can he can come and get you. Yeah, by well, throwing I mean, him, by yeeting himself. <laughs> yeah, I mean he could travel into space theoretically, right? Like if he just kept throwing himself higher and higher up, like that's really cheap space travel. Yeah, maybe uh, demons—they're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the 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 thing where you said like of him practicing just said me picturing like a teenage barbatorum, like you know, a, a, a young horse's head on a on a, on a teenage body. <laughs> Just like practicing throwing his shears, I like. We need the the Barbie origin story <laughs> prequel episode. Just with some like like how like knife throwing or whatever you gotta you gotta practice. He just yeah yeah. Um, also, there was a part where I thought Alistair got got. Mm. Um, something about the way it was phrased, where the shear I think like something like the shears closed on Alistair. I thought it meant like they like they closed it was done not like oh, they were closing on, in i think that's very on purpose by Walbo. yeah it was just like ah! and then it was like wait <laughs> what what he's not okay um and that was upsetting i thought he he did he does but... he does lose his hand a bit after that though right uh and that's gotta suck <laughs> yeah it was nice that he saved jeremy i really like I don't know how much hope to have in the story necessarily. <laughs> and I just, but I do hope that Jeremy and Sandra like come through this and like go live together somewhere nice. Um, it's hard not to ship them. Is, it a, <clears throat> is shipping the right word? They're already married. You know, you know what I mean. But they're like, no, it's over. It's <laughs> over. <laughs> um, and I, I just feel like if Jeremy keeps like, Alistair lost his hand. Jeremy needs to give us Sandra <laughs> as like payment. Everything has a price, and uh, the price of Alistair losing his hand was Jeremy and Sandra's relationship, or something, vice versa, whatever. <laughs> so you've totally lost me. Are you suggesting Jeremy gives Sandra the hand? No, I'm saying that like like we will get Jeremy and Sandra together. And the price for that was Alistair's hand. Oh, like, okay. Like, if that doesn't happen, then Alistair losing his hand wasn't a fair... Was for nothing. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy only has worth insofar as he's with Sandra. <laughs> uh, well, there, there is actually a line... I think we catch one snippet of what he is saying to... Dionysus before uh, the the smiting the the act of God, um, 
and it's implied that something is he's doing something with his domain to do it. So, oh yeah, um, if he's like given up part of his domain or something to his god, then you you, you know you you're right. Like he's got less and less worth as an individual, and <laughs> he needs to get back with his ex. Mm-hmm. She she helps him be his best person, his best self. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then we learn that Blake doesn't know where Alexis is, and he freaks out, and he tries not to think about it. And <laughs> yeah. we move on. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that next chapter. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, basically things aren't going so hot. Uh, no one's really sure what they're going to do. And then uh, Johanna's slash Faisal uh, pull a move. Johannes takes the fall and Barbatorum is defeated. Woohoo! <laughs> um, yeah. <sighs> Johannes. So this, <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what to think about uh, face all and what's happening in terms of like, <clears throat> it felt like at the end of face all's interlude that he was like fully in control of Johannes. And so I just like wasn't trusting him at all. Um, but the thing that feels like this is Johannes and not face all is, you know, tell that angel to go fuck himself. <laughs> which such a good like so yes yeah, so good like as like the veins in his neck are turning black like so fucking cool <laughs> like yeah oh, i uh, love this man is <laughs> so my my understanding i i'm pretty sure from memory people explained this to me when i read the chapter because i had the same confusion i think it's like it is Faisal possessing him when Johannes says, like, I'd hoped for more. Like, I thought I might uh-huh. have to force it, but I uh-huh. think I can leave this up to you. And that's like Faisal. And then he gives control back to Johannes because he knows Johannes will sacrifice himself. Okay, yeah, because the the pieces weren't quite making sense. And it was just that line where I was like, okay, this is Johannes. But yeah. yeah. And so this is Faisal knowing that this will keep Barbatorum in the abyss. Um, question mark because Faisal wanted Barbatorum to torch them all for eternity, and I guess they're close enough to the surface that he was worried Barbatorum would get out? Yeah. or yeah, I, It's hard to know exactly what he meant by he hoped for more. But, uh-huh. it, yeah, uh, my understanding of it is definitely Faisal says that and then gives Johannes control because he knows Johannes will sacrifice himself, and that's when Johannes starts saying damnation and then, Tells them to tell Faisal to go fuck himself. <laughs> Which, given uh, the circumstances, fair. is actually a pretty nice thing. <laughs> like, I feel like you could say worse. Yeah. And just, and then the fact that Blake's like, okay, and just like slashes his eyes <laughs> um, immediately, like, no hesitation, completely, you know, and that, like, I mean, it doesn't feel like cool that fixed it, Barbatorum dead forever, but presumably he is somewhat trapped for a bit or something he needs a reflective surface question mark uh and then yeah and then the big monster in the pillar grabs the body and slowly drags it (laughs) (laughs) it's so good um yeah i i don't i don't have any idea whether it's like yeah barbatorum's definitely gonna come back or like we just never learn what that thing is we never see barbatorum again like it's a fun like thing out there just beyond our reach mm. just beyond the scope um and i love that idea 
Um, but I can also see like the demon lawyers pulling Barbatorum and other things back into play. Um, but um, <clears throat> but in honor of Johannes, I have a poem. <laughs> <laughs> so are these still poems for problematic men or? Um, well, I had a poem for Kathy. Um, so now it's just I mean, sort she of- was problematic. <laughs> Johannes is problematic. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true, actually. Um, yeah, that now just I'm like for significant deaths in the story, I'm gonna try to pull poems. Um, <clears throat> okay, this is called "A Gifted Child's Cosmos" by Kiana Wilson. Gifted, it is the sweet taste of colors and shapes splashing on your tongue. It is the rough touch of reality scraping, scratching clawing relentlessly at the idealistic dimensions wavering and flowing within your mind it is the sour stench of wind fire water and earth rotting and rusting beneath the plight and destruction of human ignorance it is the sight of blinding waves of propulsing photons bombarding into the pupils paralyzing your occipital lobe into a glitching seizure it is the deafening clamor of bangs bells rings rumbles clings clangs voices cars freeways people and everything it is the feeling of overwhelming joy and marvel, ideas buzzing, beeping and bustling, in a piercing and perpetual swarm within your head. It is the breathtaking exhilaration of lightning firing inside your mind, blood streaming with sparking neurons, electricity discharging at antimatters of reality, martial atoms vibrating, detonating defenses of your inner realm of freedom, electrifying every breath stolen from the circuits of the wind into the eternal pamphlet of human ingenuity like time is stolen into reality, imprisoned by time in everything, though your mind is freely, timelessly eccentric. It is as if it were the quantum foam in which packets of energy randomly erupt into an expanding, accelerating, dense cosmos that is your mind's space-time. Anticipation lurking inside some primeval atom, tussling with explosive potential of energies, burning with innovation and passion. Radical theories, revolutionary ideas groundbreaking discoveries crashing within your cosmos though you are always cautious because at any moment the dark matter pushing and guiding your cosmos becomes a teeny weeny bit too intoxicated from feeding off of the energy swimming through you your energy could build into a fire breathing roaring black hole that sets an inferno within your cosmos until the light noise numbers patterns colors words shapes ideas are blaring blasting and booming in a thunderous harmony until finally all of the atoms within your brain are sucked away and all of the energy and power are compressed into an atomic bomb that ignites an ear-splitting explosion deep within you, until your extraordinarily picturesque situation of a Googleplex of pixels that constitute the major motion picture that is your imagination slowly drains into your veins and gradually seeps through your skin, until your entire being is drowning in smoke and steam from the sweat coalescing onto your spirit as the remnants of yet another cycle remaining until your new cosmos is born. It inherits every single string within every single atom of the previous cosmos, and the cycle continues until there is not one atom of oxygen left in your body, because apparently the powerful intensity and energy of your being is too brilliant and blindingly bright to contentedly be contained, not even for just one infinity to obey the laws of physics that govern the universe. But what does that matter to you? Your universe has its own set of laws. R.I.P. Johannes. <laughs> I, that's actually a great, that was a great poem. I, I, I'm amazed at your ability to find such a good, like, relevant poem. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. Like, um, I just Googled, like, 
poem for a gifted child or something like that. And <laughs> that was one of the first ones to come up. And I was like, whoa, I love it. It's longer than I thought it would be reading it out loud. But um, <laughs> I've been weirdly obsessed with this man, this whole story. And I'm. it was a really good end. I think that's that's really funny because I'm pretty sure I spent the whole story convinced he was a villain. <laughs> and I got... I got heartily proven proven wrong in this chapter. Yeah, I I can't remember if I was like I didn't trust him, but I was like, what is his deal? What is this domain? <laughs> I want to learn about this man. Um, and it's a bummer. <laughs> um, uh, I also uh, quickly I, I noticed you've got in your notes here. Uh, we talked about Alistair missing his hand, but um, we didn't mention that's the hand with the Baham ring on it, right? Um, and it's like don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's exactly um, what Alistair says, isn't it? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so, yeah, I guess was the ring, I, I guess thinking about it, I was assuming the ring was like in the abyss somewhere, but maybe it was destroyed when his hand was uh, pierced by the scissors. And that feels bad for the Baham family somehow. <laughs> um. I guess abyssal rings or abyssal energy somehow leaking into their family through the ring also sounds bad. If it is lost in the abyss, it'll eventually find its way back to them. I think I remember yeah, something like that. That makes sense. Um, Cause you can do that with like implements and stuff. And I feel like if you had a ring that was the key to all your family's power, you'd take measures to give it the same features. Right. Um, yeah. I hope it's not just like the Bahames are doomed forever and based on us potentially seeing ainsley in pact uh you know she wasn't totally powerless so maybe it's fine. <laughs> huh um yeah well yeah I, I guess i guess we'll see um but yeah so uh basically they've made it across the chessboard even after barbatorum smashed it to pieces and uh now that blake the pawn has made it to the other side he says king me <laughs> and the abyss says, okay, but I'm going to do it my way. Uh, because, yeah, this is where he gets the job offer from the abyss, which is be the guardian. Uh, stay here in this cool little forest I made for you and forever. Uh, be here forever. <laughs> it's, and then again, I think of all of the other entrances or exits to the abyss that have these uh, beings there. And they all probably ended up here somehow, somewhat like how Blake did. Um, although maybe more of them or some of them were more excited and willing. I don't know if that's really what the abyss is all about. Uh, it doesn't seem to like excited and willing. Um, but like the ink guy had wanted to be like a gatekeeper or something. And yeah, I think I almost had a thought, uh, in arc nine when we learn about these dudes that, you know, like, why don't they leave? And it makes sense that like, no, they just can't um yeah but presumably they want to and so they all must be in some sort of situation where they had to agree to stay um and that's like really heartbreaking <laughs> <laughs> but i wonder how many of them because they're not they're not really letting people out unless you know sometimes people are trying to make deals or whatever but if blake did have this job like would he just let a bunch of people go through or would he like, you know, would he fight the biggest, baddest dudes and let the, the businessmen or whatever leave? <laughs> like uh, it's interesting thinking because like Blake is a badass, And so I guess the abyss is like, yeah, cool. More of yeah, this, it's please. A, 
I mean, it's it's kind of a compliment that it wants him. <laughs> like, this seems like a pretty important job. Because um, the Abyss's whole thing is nobody fucking likes it there. So presumably <laughs> these Guardians, like, have to be somewhat impressive. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's it's kind of a, like, uh, Blake's kind of rude uh, here because it's, it's a bit of a compliment. <laughs> it's, it's also, the only thing I think that would have made this a little bit more heart-wrenching is if June had been here oh <laughs> yeah because um, it's pulling you know like the locket um the hyena pieces was really neat you uh he thinks he maybe hears the bike um the birds that he can't quite see um it's all just like kind of core early blake stuff um and this was just uh this was sad um yeah and it's like um i think it was pale where we weren't that the abyss used to people used to think it was hell and you can really see that with the offer because like like as you said like this this blake talks about how this is a torture kind of specifically designed for him mm-hmm. um yeah like, and it's just yeah oh sorry I was gonna say, it just sucks that it has to be torture that yeah. it can't actually be like an ice kick <laughs> yeah there's an element of like why you like this abyss like mm-hmm. yeah i also um I thought it was funny. I feel like people have spent this entire story wanting Blake to die, and then he finally agreed to die, <laughs> like let Rose kill him, and now the Abyss is like, no, not even, not even that. Actually, I want you to be alive forever. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's awful. Um, and Blake is sort of like, well, I guess I'm probably doing this, even though I hate it and I hate everything. And Evan's like, fuck you, fuck these <laughs> yeah. people, fuck you, like, you're not doing this, I can't stress this enough, absolutely no, if if people start talking, then, like, I lose my edge, so we're not gonna start talking, and we're just not gonna do this. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting how Evan's like, I'd be a super great monster, but, like, Blake isn't meant to be a monster, Blake's meant to fly, when, like, Evan is, like, almost like an incarnation of escape and like freedom yeah. <laughs> and movement i'm like uh you're also kind of meant to fly buddy but yeah you also are more excited about being lit on fire i guess so <laughs> uh but just it's so great how he really stands up here and is like no like blake is a person y'all are taking advantage of him like absolutely not um, i love his line the last time i let you guys talk you talked him into letting you kill him <laughs> It's like, I could save him from dragons and giants, but I can't save him from sacrificing himself. So, <laughs> Evan's such a treasure. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, well, uh, for honestly kind of a long time, my fiance and I have been talking about just like baby names that we like. They're kind of, it's fun to talk about. And I'm really, really trying to sell them on Evan. Um, <laughs> like, I'm like pretty sure that there's like, there's like a pretty decent chance that if we had a boy, it would be, he'd be named Evan. And I'm so thrilled about that. And like, maybe someday Ben will understand why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, That's amazing. Because like, and especially in terms of like characters to name like a kid after, like you can't get just a more pure good boy than Evan. I know. He's so good. And it, and then, and Green Eye shows up and she's yep. also like, well, first she like drapes herself all across the throne, like a fucking <laughs> badass. Um, partly because like she knows it won't mean anything. 
Um, cause I don't think she'd want this job either. Uh, but just them being so like, no, Blake, like don't destroy yourself. Um, is nice. Yeah. Um, and like she obviously comes in clutch here cause basically <laughs> what happens is, uh, also, weirdly, Rose is the only other person on Blake's side, which is <laughs> very surprising. Um, and I, I think this is where Alistair starts to be like, okay, that's weird. Um, <laughs> but uh, Green Eyes is the one who basically brings up that everything's meant to have a price and it doesn't seem like they're going to pay Blake to make this sacrifice. So uh, they should do that. Right. Um, and Rose's point of like, we will pay for this eventually is interesting. Mm. Um, and an interesting like reason for why she would want to do this. I don't know if she's like deceiving me or <laughs> because like, you know, a couple arcs ago, it was just like Rose, like kind of sucks and like really isn't great at people and isn't great at, you know, all this stuff. And then she was like, well, Alistair doesn't want his life to suck. And so I'm trying to prove to him that it won't suck by being like kind of decent to you, Blake. But then, and then that was, like, an interesting step forward. And then they're in the house, and Blake is like, okay, I gotta somehow communicate this, to this like, concept to Rose. And he's like, oh, wait, maybe she's trying to communicate something to me. And, like, we did used to be the same person. And it feels like since that moment, they've been, like, good to each other. <laughs> um, Like, you know, Blake... Is like, you know, like, hey, good job, nice try. After Barbatorum, he, you know, saves her when the guys grab her in the pillar. Um, she, even at one point, like, even gets Blake to go up the stairs before she shoots something last episode. <laughs> I don't remember. But, like, I don't know. They're just, like, good. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I feel, like, nervous about the whole, like, y'all are supposed to destroy each other and maybe you agreeing isn't like working against like maybe that's not a good thing maybe that's not working against that but it just makes me so happy to see them trying yeah um and to see her being like i mean i maybe it's just that she's like there but for the grace of grandma rose go i <laughs> like like she and blake were like the same thing at the beginning of this story and now he's like a fucked up boogeyman dude and that could have been her i guess uh i feel like i'm sort of rambling anyway i love rose <laughs> yeah no i mean uh, yeah oh i i'm just having to like no comment poker face <laughs> throughout all this <laughs> but yeah I, it's because it's you're right it's like they're weirdly well you know especially what we're heading towards next chapter like they seem to be weirdly backing each other up and that doesn't mm -hmm. make sense if they're so supposedly meant to be destroying each other so it's it's yeah i it's it's ripe for tinfoiling i think yeah and it's just like is it just that ambrose was like the best most well-adjusted like awesome person ever mm. or is this somehow <sighs> i mean like blake's getting crushed to death by the incarnation of conquest so things are going super swell for him <laughs> but like is I don't know, stuff like this just gives me hope that, like, somehow it'll all get fixed and either, you know, like, Ambrose will be healed and rejoined into, like, one person or Blake and Rose will be able to, like, have chill lives relatively. Um, but it just doesn't feel like 
considering what demons are and what they do, like that doesn't seem like a satisfying option in this story. Um, it feels like it kind of breaks the rules we've established. Mm. But then, like, so maybe a rule is that Blake and Rose aren't two halves of the same person, and really it is one of them's a half of Grandma Rose. <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to destroy each other which doesn't make sense based on everything we've seen and everything we see in 15.5 but whatever (laughs) (laughs) i don't know no comment (sighs) um but yeah so the the debate um continues as to whether blake should take this offer uh and this is where ty and tiff sort of step up and they make a point and then they change their minds. Uh, and in response, the abyss uh, tempts Blake with a bit of Alexis. Oh, this was really painful. I didn't believe that Alexis was dead. Um, mm. I don't know what I. I mean, we just see a like, oh fuck, where's Alexis? And then we're just moving on, and like it's too fast to like think about all of the characters and where everyone is or whatever. Um, but at least so far, like it seems like like the abyss shows Blake things to hurt him. But it seems like they're all true. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, Alexis like fell and died, and now part of her or something kind of resides in the abyss. Insofar as there is a image of a girl smoking a cigarette that can haunt Blake, and then immediately I was like, Edith. Like I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> is Alexis somehow part of the girl by candlelight? And then I was like, No, move on. Okay. <laughs> Um, um but this yeah, is really well, I, sad and oh sorry yeah i'm not reading a poem yet in part because i didn't have time to find one and in another part it just it doesn't feel like we're done with alexis yet hmm. no but maybe comment. we just are because get fucked blake you were cut in half by a demon you don't get to talk to your <laughs> like girlfriend yeah, the end <laughs> I, I also like the other side of this to me is I, my understanding of this is that the abyss is sort of saying and I think Blake mentions this. He's like, oh, the Abyss is sort of saying you can have Alexis in here with you too mm-hmm. if you take the job. Is that a good thing? Like, <laughs> like, yeah, she can be here forever too, like in this hell that I made for you. Like, is this really a perk? Right. I mean, a more selfish or desperate or lonely person might say yes until, <laughs> you know, their loved one is brought back to hate them forever for doing this to them um it's also just that like i mean it's just frustrating and maybe this is just like how this story is gonna go because not everything is like neat and tidy but it's so frustrating that blake could never be like hi what the fuck you betrayed me and like maybe it just wouldn't have meant that much because she doesn't even remember him but Mm. um it was waiting for them to be able to have a conversation where you know i can't even look at you like blah um yeah uh things are definitely not resolved between them right now right um and maybe blake will just die (laughs) and and it'll be over uh i am i i was thinking the whole time like nah like tiffany will be the one to like die because she's like you know that would make us really sad but it's not alexis uh yeah and there's still time (laughs) (laughs) Uh, in you know in, in lighter news uh there's also a funny part here where rose kind of baits 
Alistair, because Alistair's trying to make the point that Blake isn't a full person, um, so he's not as much of a loss, and then Rose sort of calls him out on that logic, <laughs> reminds him uh, who he's engaged to, uh, and it's very funny. Yeah, it's nice that he, like, you know, backed down very quickly. <laughs> um, God. And the... This part's just heavy, though, because, yeah, like, it is Blake's fault that Ty and Tiff are here, but also mm. it, it, the the idea that, like, I can't resent you because I don't remember any of that is interesting. I feel like I could resent someone for getting me <laughs> into this situation even if I didn't remember that it happened. Like, <laughs> I, think, I think I'd personally find it easier to resent that person <laughs> if I didn't remember them. Right! Like, you didn't, you, you didn't see, like, the context and you don't remember how he you know, yeah. tried to be open and whatever, whatever. It's just like, oh, I'm in the literal abyss because this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <sighs> it's. I, I think it's a great, like, it's a tough ethical dilemma because it's like, I think Ty and Tiff, their argument of what's well, your fault I'm here is, it's a good point. It's pretty strong, yeah. Um, Rose saying like, I, you know, Blake was programmed to accumulate allies is kind of interesting. Like, he didn't have the option almost. And I wonder if Grandma Rose was like, yes, and he'll drag his, like, fucking friends in Toronto that I hate into this mess. <laughs> <laughs> or if she just didn't realize how incredibly extra her grandchild was. <sighs> um. Yeah, anything else from this this section? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, then yeah, we'll move into to the the last part of fifteen dot four, which is yeah, uh, Rose creates a positive binding environment for Blake by doing something <laughs> incredibly reckless, silly, and unpredictable, uh, by uh, inviting him to possess her. <laughs> so good, yeah. Her first thing is like, oh, uh, you know, I'm the Thorburn Diabolus. That that seems cool and important. Like, Abyss, I will be a scourge for you. Let us out. And the Abyss is like, okay. <laughs> 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 like, bitch, please, do you see do you see this boogeyman? Like, come on. <laughs> and it like forms the path to try to like taunt the others to leave, you know, like now like Blake won't have a choice. Because it's not going to let him leave and whatever. Mm. Um, And, you know, they're like, no, stop, don't. And, I mean, this is just another moment of, like, Blake and Rose are so good. Uh, And she says, you you know, like, you could have thrown me off the side of the pillar or at least let me fall. And Blake's like, yeah. And immediately it's like, okay, cool. Do you know the familiar ritual? And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) So to be fair, it could have been more insane. Yeah, something that Blake and Rose definitely both share, so Ambrose must have had in ample supply, is just an ability to lead with the worst part of their plan. Like, they both they both do this. They both say, like, the worst possible opening line to introduce their plans. Right, because they've kind of, like, thought through a bunch of stuff really quickly yeah. and say something, like, that feels like a non-sequitur and also, yeah, like, bananas. <laughs> Yeah, like, like, because poor Alistair's here, and he's just like, I'm not sure I approve of your plan to sell (laughs) sell your future to the abyss, my fiance. Which, 
Rose kind of dismisses, but I was like, it seems fair that he should be allowed to voice his concerns <laughs> regarding <laughs> your future, given you've just decided to marry. Right. Especially, like, we've seen a scourge in the story, and his family wanted him dead. <laughs> like, doesn't <laughs> Although, seem to like be the fair, best. Rose does say it's a step up from Diabolist, and that is true. Like, true. Um, you know, only Crooked Hat's family wanted him dead, whereas the whole world seems to want Rose <laughs> dead. So, like, you know, progress. That's true. This is this is better than it could have been. <laughs> but yeah, Alistair has to play the straight man here, and it's very funny. Like, he's just poor guy. Yeah, he's a champion. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we see Blake's heart again. Um as Rose takes it out of the body that Blake had put it into um, in the abyss last time we were here and uh, promises to be a sanctuary and a dwelling place for Blake for as long as they need to sort their shit out until they start trying to destroy each other again. And Blake's like, cool deal. And uh, so Rose cuts severing blake from his body and he loses his eyes his wings and everything else uh <laughs> which like i thought the mirror world i mean it's really exciting and fun being in rose's head i'm i'm excited about it but i remember how frustrating just like being in the mirror world was and i feel like we're not gonna spend the rest of the story this way uh inside of rose but i don't know how we get out it's like the mirror world it's <laughs> yeah. like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean where else are you gonna put blake at this point maybe face all make of a body <laughs> <laughs> is that that's i mean if that's the best plan <laughs> <laughs> it's not the best plan but i'm like who else is like like i mean technomancy could do something interesting i guess like if he's just a spirit now he could possess other crap uh Maybe he'll become like. Did you read? You read? Y'all read like the first Dresden Files book or something, right? Oh, the, like the first quarter of it. Yeah. Okay. Did, so, did you meet Bob the Skull? Yes. Yes. Blake I thought that might be where you were going with Blake this. the Skull. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite parts about the Dresden Files was those potions that bob helped with and i feel like after the first like couple books they stopped doing it and i was like but this was so cool to like find all this weird shit yeah um, i i remember we called that out too it was like the most interesting part of this world right now is by far the potions and the way they were all so unique and like it was like a really complicated system or not but not like in a bad way like a really complex mm -hmm. system that was that had a lot of flexibility and how he had them in those like sport bottles or whatever yeah that was just a really fun detail and yeah i feel like i don't know if the author was just like these are too hard to come up with or like this is like <laughs> kind of weird and formulaic but i feel like you stop getting those fun sequences uh which is a bummer yeah, uh, i need to go i need to go back and i i was I, I wasn't hating that book but it was too early to get really into it i should go back and give it another try yeah i haven't i've been meaning to like finish the series it's just the main character goes through a lot of shit and becomes he like becomes kind of Blake in, in terms of like Blake was like a happier person at the start of the story and yeah. just like d becomes less fun as more trauma sets in and that kind of happens to the to Harry 
Uh, mm. But he doesn't have an Evan, so <laughs> it's less fun. It, it's crazy. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but like Wabo has said, it, like Evan wasn't planned in Pact. Like he, he just sort of added Evan when he came up and he was like, oh, like this is a good character. I'm going to keep him around. And it's just like, I just can't imagine Pact without Evan in it. I know. And it, it kind of makes sense. Like he doesn't show up until our five or whatever like yeah yeah because it did it felt like when he's introduced it's like there's a little boy in a hoodie or whatever like mm. cool and yeah how far evan has come what a what a what a mate <laughs> um but yeah okay so blake is uh uh blake li- now lives inside rose uh <laughs> and he's getting his bearings uh he views some old yeah home movies some <laughs> some memories and uh yeah Finds out that Conquest is living in here too, which is just, just you know, I missed this guy, right? Well, just what, <laughs> just what we needed in our lives again. I did kind of miss Conquest, yeah, <laughs> but they still suck. <laughs> um, one thing I, I like about Conquest that I find really interesting is that he's or she's they've taken on a like female persona inside of Rose. Mm. Um. And it seems like that's at least partially because Rose is like channeling conquest. So she's drawing on memories of like um, powerful or imposing women to try to like channel Mm. that energy. Um, But it's, it's interesting that it's all women. And I wonder if that has to do with just what Rose is, how Rose is trying to emulate herself or if there's something with gender that's happening there that's more significant uh because i i feel like if i was thinking of like commanding scary people or whatever that i was trying to like emulate in a situation i wouldn't limit myself to just women um but it seems like that's what's happening and i yeah i wonder how much of it is that because conquest is inside of a woman uh it's there shaped that way and how much of it is rose like choosing stuff i don't know yeah i i mean I, my my cop-out answer is i feel like it's it's maybe a little bit of all of the above because it's uh-huh. like because rose is kind of his host now and then also yeah i mean like i, I think the direct call is like this, uh conquest is channeling like grandma rose <laughs> and um this female minister and it's like i guess if those are the like imperious or those would be the two big imperious sort of figures in rose's life so it makes sense to those that have even more of an impact i don't know yeah right um but it's it's just it's a really neat way of learning more about ambrose and rose Mm. and um just i don't know like how possession possibly sort of works in the other verse how a mind is conceptualized um it was just really really cool being in this space and i was I didn't I wanted to learn a lot more about Rose and all of this stuff and I I thought the only way we would maybe get some of that was some sort of like interlude and I love the chance to explore this and like it Blake reacting to the memories that Rose has that like I mean and seeing that they are things that happened to Ambrose they've just been like cut and like split mm. in weird ways where you can't really hear the name and so it's like presumably like this principal was really nice to Ambrose and tried to like you know encourage him and make him feel whatever and his the mom 
their mom, his mom, did say, oh, good job, honey, and, like, put it on the fridge or something. Um, Like, maybe Ambrose's parents weren't as awful as Blake remembers his parents being. <laughs> um, But, yeah, and just, like, maybe some things, like, maybe the principal actually had an impact on this child because he's, like, the best person in his family. Uh, and I wonder if there's, like, part of the mystery of Blake and Rose is, like, how are they not as shitty as the other Thorburns? Or at least Blake. Yeah, um, I mean, that's, like, the horrifying part of this to me. Like, if this was me, if I was Blake in this situation, I'd find it existentially horrifying to be learning the details. Like, there's this bit with the sticker. Mm-hmm. And it's like Rose got the parts that are like the warm memories of the sticker and the feelings of like adulation stuff from her parents and Blake got picture of bird. <laughs> um, Blake got like shiny, pretty art. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's like horrifying in a way to like, well, as you say, wait, there are all these people and moments in their life that had an impact, but that's just not a thing for Blake. Mm-hmm. that's terrifying mm-hmm. and it it's just it's interesting to reinforcing how or like explaining how barbatorum could have done this to them because things are cut they're not mm. like they're not changed maybe it's like like the name is cut off and the uh details and aspects are like clipped down but it doesn't seem like there's just like complete fabrications or whatever. Um, it's interesting that Rose has the nice warm memories, at least in this instance, but she's like the cold calculating. <laughs> I'm not going to awaken so that my other half can take the downfall for me person. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I do have a hard time picturing like this arch or something that's inside of them and yeah um, it's a very abstract like space for mm -hmm. sure in a way that's really cool but also i wish this was like a comic book or something so i could be like okay Mm. this would be like this would have been prime for an extra material where we (gasps) got like a picture or two (sighs) but (laughs) how would you explain like blake's sketch of rose's mind like (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i um, um I, it just hasn't been mentioned but blake actually keeps a pretty extensive diary um just between chapters <laughs> that's why it feels like there's like no downtime because he spends all of it just like yeah writing yeah yeah it, yeah that's is that he actually he's had tons of rest he just spends it taking notes <laughs> um yeah i like how he's you see him kind of navigating in this space and like figuring out how to uh function and how to move within it and like um how he's filling up spaces and gaps but you're reminded by that arch that like this isn't they're not just gonna like meld into one Mm. even though he he starts to kind of like be subsumed into rose when he's like present in her consciousness and stuff yeah and i think um like he directly calls out there's the setup just uh in 15.3 with the pillar because obviously we didn't really talk about it but alistair's drawing his diagram on that pillar in the library and then barbatorum smashes it Mm -hmm. and even when they put the pillar back together with dionysus's special vines um 
the uh, yeah yeah it it didn't fix the diagram because you can't repair what a demon's done and this is uh, uh, like the the imagery blake gives you is that this space is the same it's like blake and rose kind of fit together but there's always going to be these cracks down the middle right which is so awful i'm yeah uh... well i think doesn't he say it's even worse they're like because it's serrated edges they're actually grinding each other up and it's like yeah they're actively damaging each other right because that's the whole demon they're old demons they're fun (laughs) um but yeah okay so we'll we'll leave we'll leave team inside rose for a sec uh and and we'll yeah blake just starts watching rose on tv basically uh (laughs) and she's outside with alistair and yeah they catch up with cousin couple rival you know the the other group going for best thorburn behame couple of the year it's ainsley and peter (laughs) ainsley's like i don't know how much of ainsley is like oblivious or in denial or like just kind of like oh oops uh no gross or like you know like was she kind of into this and now she's like oh wait he's just an asshole who's using me uh was is peter able to genuinely (laughs) like care about other people yeah like (laughs) (laughs) or is this all like obviously he's now using it to like piss off alistair or whatever because alistair doesn't like it and peter's offended by that um and what rose says about peter wanting to exercise control over the situation is interesting and probably also true um but yeah i i can't tell if ainsley actually is like what or if like like does she get it or is she trying to pretend she doesn't get it (laughs) (laughs) you you, so you're you're struggling to figure out if anyone could possibly be that stupid, basically, <laughs> is sort of the vibe that I'm getting. I mean, or just like, yeah, did she even really think about it? Or is it just like, mm. my town's being pulled into the abyss and I'm standing here in the fucking snow and I guess this person has their arm yeah. around me and that's nice because it's like, you know, maybe it's comforting or maybe, you know, it's like, it's cold and just like not thinking about like any of the implications really. Um, and then being like, for- oh, fuck. <laughs> Yeah, and they've all been up for like twenty four hours, right? <laughs> um, which, like, speaking from experience, can make you pretty terrible at processing things, right? Um, and that that almost might be the most likely thing. But I'm wondering if she was also like kind of into this, and then realized like, oh, he's probably <laughs> a dick bag, and is trying to pretend that she wasn't ever into it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh. Um, and there's some great uh contrasts drawn between the Bahames and Thorburns here too and how they greet their cousins. <laughs> right. Ainsley's like, oh my, you know, gives him this huge hug and then a bigger hug after she sees his hand and is so worried about him and just like, you know, oh my gosh. And Peter's like, <laughs> fuck you, Rose. <laughs> 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 and I love that Peter cares about Blake. Um, you know, he he asks if he made it out. <laughs> God, this part was so good. And Rose like taps her collarbone, which what the fuck is that mean, Rose? She's <laughs> <laughs> like, you'll always have a piece of him in your heart? Like what? And she's like, no. It's like, why are you tapping your collarbone? Like, what yeah. <laughs> I agree. I'm on Peter's side in that one. Like, I think that's a reasonable guess. <laughs> right. She didn't tap her head. And even then... <laughs> Like, yeah, 
but God. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ainsley freaks out when they're like, yeah, he's possessing her. And Peter's like, is that a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I, look, I, I'm the new guy. But it's, that seems like a terrible idea to me. And I think everyone's like, yeah, it's, it's pretty fucking awful. <laughs> uh, I I mean, I guess the ramifications of this are like Blake, like possession, right? So Blake could like take over and overpower because uh, that's what something possessing you does. Mm. Um, right now, it just seems like a house kind of that he's just sort of a little, little dude in a big house. But I guess if he was fighting Rose inside of her mind he could do some serious damage uh, i think he he makes note in the chapter that um her thoughts are malleable right uh and then i think there's also a bit where he took where conquest and him talk and conquest is like you don't know this this arena very well so oh like, you're not used to fighting on this plane so yeah like i think you're right i think if blake got a bit more practice and wanted to he could probably do some serious damage. Right. Which is upsetting. It's just, it's this weird thing of like, these are the steps that felt like they had to be taken in the moment. And so I'm not <laughs> like, oh my God, this is so bad. Like, why would you ever do this? Um, and I guess it's good to be reminded that like, this could be really bad <laughs> for. I feel like that's just everyone. packed in a nutshell. <laughs> like at the time, kind of seemed like the only <laughs> option, but now I'm here and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> It seemed like the best idea at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, there's also a bit I want to call out here where uh, Rose looks at Green Eyes, and there's this weird thing going on where we're kind of getting Rose's stream of thought through Blake's stream of thought, and Rose looks at Green Eyes and is a, is a smidge harsher on her appearance than I think Blake it tends to be right um she says a mockery of a mermaid that like she should be a mermaid but she's like barbed and horrifying and that's mean (laughs) (laughs) and and it's freaky that for a second here yeah it's like blake is really channeling rose uh and almost seems like he could be like subsumed kind of um because he's thinking of evan and green eyes in the context of like yeah how rose sees them um and thinks of himself in the third person and just like it's kind of yeah freaky for a second Mm. i guess that happens actually technically a little bit later but it's still freaky yeah i suppose uh, let's uh, i guess let's get into it like we 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 jump back inside rose as blake kind of comes to himself again uh he tracks down conquest in this church and sort of tries to yeah, make peace, but uh, <laughs> he's no Avery, and uh, Conquest just starts choking him out. Doesn't, yeah, not the biggest fan of peace. Um, <laughs> it, it's interesting that Blake's like, oh, you're like, you know, letting Rose get you, use your power, but also take up some space. Like, we can do that. That's cool. Like, use me or whatever. That's fine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we can dwell harmoniously or something. <laughs> And it's just, it was kind of funny that Conquest was just like, no, like, fuck you. Uh, My favorite part of this is like how Blake has no arms, but he does have a neck. (laughs) So he could be choked, but he can't do anything about it. Uh, That feels like abyssal 
bullshit if I've ever heard. <laughs> and I guess I'm wondering, like, is Blake a boogeyman anymore? Because it seems like, based on the whole no arms thing, that his connection to the abyss has been, like, severed? Because uh, his arms went away and were replaced with stick arms, and now mm. he doesn't have those. I uh, Yeah, I, I definitely think that's, uh, like, the implication at the moment is... Like, the whole point of what Rose pulled was to separate Blake from the Abyss. Right. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, given what he did in Arc 13, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> uh, what an arc. <laughs> yeah, and especially him being like, I promise I'll get you a big meal. And I guess he helped or something with the library. True. Uh, um, I, I don't know why, but for a second, I envisioned the or envisioned conquest as like the the girl scouts in dimension 20 um i think the starstruck odyssey i haven't watched that one. Oh, it's so good they're they're a really minor thing that show up at one point but they're these like they're like girl scouts but they're also like running some sort of like international crime syndicate <laughs> and they're just really like aggressive and kind of mean and it's it's funny they're yeah you should watch that one. Oh, i've got uh yeah i've got an ever-growing list of dimension 20 seasons <laughs> i need to catch up on yeah same <laughs> but that was a fun one uh but yeah this is we get more like kind of cute rose and alistair and alistair's a lot better at this um than rose is um we also find yeah the moment the reason that Alistair, no, Alistair, the reason that Wildbow wrote Pact was so he could comment that Blake was not seeing the world through rose-tinted glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, um, the rest of the story was built from there. <laughs> when we were throwing around ideas for this podcast title, uh, I think I threw out Through Pale Lenses um, as though we were like examining packed through yeah pale uh and sort of a play on like through rose-colored glasses or whatever and jenny was just kind of like i don't know it sounds weird something and then like i think pale in comparison is a superior name but like after having read this i was like see like he <laughs> 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 was there all along uh, yeah i i mean the other uh I, the other one that's all throughout this story is the idea that um Blake is not very good at self-reflection because he didn't have one. <laughs> I always, I always enjoyed that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Pact is very good at this stuff. Um, absolutely, it's everywhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So I guess uh, things are looking pretty bad for Blake at this point. He's being choked out by conquest. You know, how could things possibly get worse? Oh, Miss Lewis is here, and. Uh, <laughs> She's pretty PO'd about the loss of the house, and then also Rose taking, yeah, this other job offer instead of joining their firm, which mm. I think is classic lawyer shenanigans. You could <laughs> probably speak to that, Malaya. Um, but like I've seen The Good Wife, and there's all that kind of interdepartmental mm. rivalry or in, mm -hmm. no, inter firm rivalry. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, with with judges if a judge offers you a job you like kind of have to take it supposedly um it's this weird thing of like your career officers and stuff will tell you like you can't say no like 
you have to take it. So you have to be like careful about who you apply for or whatever. And you have to communicate a lot with them. Cause if another judge offers you a position, you have to kind of be like, Hey, I have a job now. Bye. Like to the other <laughs> judges that you've applied for. Um, but I mean, like it's still, I don't know. It's still a job. Like they just want the judges to like them. Uh, but it's, it's a weird thing. Anyway. Um, Miss Lewis. I still like Miss Lewis, even though this is scary and right. bad. But she was just established as like so cool. Um Well she's like she's, you know, as far as demon lawyer people go, <laughs> she seems like the cool one. Yeah. She I mean she helped bind June. Um and it's just I mean it's interesting these lawyers don't seem to like their clients. Um <laughs> And it's just like, why well, I mean, are you their doing clients this? are diabolists. To be fair, they're not particularly likable. But like, so are they. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, aren't you also complete shit? Like, why are you <laughs> doing this? Like, is part of joining the firm and like your karma or whatever is reset or take you know whatever is zeroed out that like you become a kind of okay person again and diabolists still suck. <laughs> <laughs> um this it does reflecting on that it does feel like a very like attorney thing that like even if you're like my client is wrong if they're like your client in a world where you couldn't like fire your client or whatever um you are supposed to like advocate for your client to the best of your ability (laughs) um so the idea that even though they might not love that demons are destroying the universe they it's their job man (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we have a we have an adversarial legal system, and this is just part of it. <laughs> I, look, I I'm not educated in in the the ways of lawyerings, but I I just I don't imagine adversarial lawyer systems is the way to do whether the universe gets destroyed or not. <laughs> like, there's got to be a point where you can sort of draw the line and say, no, we don't need we don't need a devil's advocate for that one. Actually, <laughs> like. That's another pun this whole book was based on. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Um, The whole, like, I was expecting this is, like, kind of a badass line. Um, Yeah. And I don't really know what it says at this point about Conquest saying it first, and then Rose kind of, like, echoing them um, feels somewhat significant. I mean, Conquest realized what was happening first, or I don't know. Um, A good sign, I think, was that Rose channels conquest and realizes that it's hurting blake and that conquest is hurting blake and so she like stops um that seems like a good sign even though at the end of this she's like okay (laughs) here we go um i think it's interesting that the lawyers can't benefit from the house being in the abyss um maybe it's like not recognizable enough as why is the house important without barbatorum in it um maybe they just uh, do, they, do they just want barbatorum is it something about the the domains or the just the history of the demonic whatever i guess maybe the abyss can like change things around enough recycle things enough that it's not useful I don't get it. or maybe <laughs> there was something under that house i know <laughs> <laughs> and now it lives in a pillar <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like that, um, you know, I think Rose makes a pretty good 
attempt at dodging this whole situation, you know, can I have some time to get my affairs in order? Like, that sounds like a yes. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a good was, try. Yeah, she's like, no. <laughs> you have I, to I do it. Yeah, but Miss Lewis is like, we're just going to need an affirmative right now. And then there's just like a hella awkward silence. Like, it's just. <laughs> Take that as a no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just, uh, this is fun. I don't know if this is, because again, like, is Barbatorum coming back? Is, are the, the demon lawyers like the final boss or is Faceall going to come back? Like, what? <laughs> or is Rose the final boss? Like, I don't I don't really know, but mm-hmm. fighting demon lawyers is exciting. So it doesn't seem like they could win. <laughs> um <laughs> like Ms. Lewis remembers Blake because reasons. Um and I think some of those reasons are like how fucking powerful these people are. Uh yeah, well it's like she even doesn't she like instantly know that Blake's in there too? Like she uh, just sh- shows up, she's like Alistair rose uh mr thorburn who can't return you know the greeting at the moment which is like is that does she even know does she even know that conquest is choking him like how how much detail yeah (laughs) i yeah uh i really like that she greeted blake even though last time she saw blake she was she sucked uh by not saving (laughs) him um i wonder if she wishes she had taken because i think he said yeah okay i'll join the firm or something hadn't he but she was like, no, nah, we don't want you, by." <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if she wishes she had taken that. Although I guess maybe it just wouldn't have counted. Yeah, because I, I think at that point he was in the abyss. So he mm-hmm. wasn't the Thorburn heir anymore. Right. And I think they want the Thorburn heir to get the house. Or they did. Right. And so now we're going to fight. I can't imagine. This town is so fucked. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather live in Kennet right now. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yep. The only thing that'll fix this is if the Bahames have like built and stored a giant time turner and they can just like flip it around. We have to go back. I don't even know how far back you need to go to fix this, but a ways. (laughs) Um, But yeah, well, so I guess, I guess that's the, the three chapters. We, uh, we did it. <laughs> went went out of the frying pan and into the fire. <sighs> um, so yeah, should we do a bit of a pale in comparison section? Yeah. What, what what reminded you of pale in in these chapters? Um, you have some sort of interesting ones uh, written down. Do you want to? Oh yeah, talk sorry. First? I didn't. I didn't mean to steal these. I just was making notes of them as I read uh, read the chapters. Uh, so I'm happy to share them. Yeah, please. Um. Well, I've heard the the big one I'm going to talk about because obviously the last chapter of Pale to just come out was uh, 23.f, which was Dorian and uh, Fluorescence running around uh, as hosts. Um, and then obviously now we've got Blake possessing Rose as mm-hmm. a spirit, um, you know, doing what the girl by candlelight couldn't. <laughs> uh, so I, I thought I thought it would be interesting to sort of look at look at how that's going for the different parties so far. Yeah. Um- I really loved in that chapter, like, um, depending on who was more in control, kind of like the pronouns would change for Dorian and Fluorescence. And um, it was just it felt like a pretty smooth flow back and forth. Um, 
and like they had a relatively intuitive grasp of how to assist each other um mm. and i've i've seen i feel like there's a little bit of that with blake like thinking of himself in third person and um we've seen conquest pronouns change um and um presumably blake could i mean blake is incredible at most of the things he does and i could see him really like getting a good grasp of this space quickly (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean well there's one thing blake's done in the past it's adapt to being in new (laughs) physical situations like Mm -hmm. mirrorverse being a stick um (laughs) wings flying he did that pretty well yeah um I also like I, it, it's fun reading this after because Pale's also talked a lot about uh, like specifically like Matthew's hosting stuff and how you like carve out. And I think this has come up a lot in terms of Brie as well, but you carve out very specific hallows within yourself for stuff to host in. Like mm-hmm. you need to sort of make room for stuff to possess you. Um, and it's it's really funny having that in my mind now and reading this because you can see how Blake and Rose were able to pull this off without any preparation because the because of their nature like Blake does just sort of fit into the hollow parts of Rose because right. that that's what he is. Dang, yeah. They both have so many empty spaces and yeah, and they match. Um Yeah. That's cool. But then also because of the the demon stuff that it's also somehow a terrible fit at the same time. Right. It's also bad. <laughs> um I I also was was thinking um uh going back to uh blake being the guardian in the abyss um that whole thing felt very charles's undercity vibe to me like Mm. the way you literally have to climb to the top of the tower kill everybody else on your way there and then you get the cool job (laughs) as the guardian at the top um like i can kind of see why the abyss was uh you know something that was on team charles for a bit right um and just the idea that it wouldn't lead to like a horribly broken person yeah at the top and would lead to like like blake is kind of a super strong badass whatever but also like he's not okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah but the abyss almost seems more honest about that than charles (laughs) right like like charles charles is pretending there's this honor and nobility in everybody being fucking miserable until they're at the top and they're a different kind of miserable. Whereas the abyss is just like, ha ha sucked in like, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it, it knows what it's doing at least. Yeah. It's, it likes it. I don't know. It's, it likes taunting people. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like, I guess speaking of deals with the abyss, there was obviously also, uh, Marisica who, uh, lost that nail and then the abyss sort of turned on her, which I thought was interesting. Cause, mm-hmm. I wonder, like, what her deal with the Abyss might have been. Like, we've seen Blake cutting a lot of deals with it in this story. Right. And, like, I, I just wonder what about losing that nail made the Abyss so PO'd at Marisica. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it, it reminded me of just the concept of, like, boogeymen bouncing back. Um, Like, if you if you bounce back another or whatever, it'll yeah. come back stronger. And... So maybe maybe hmm. she didn't make a deal so much as the nail somehow gave her the ability to force a deal, and then without the nail, the abyss no longer had to do what she wanted, and it was pissed off at her. Right, and just it's more fun to <laughs> uh, attack the person that just had the thing. And I, yeah, yeah, because it, it felt more than just the boogie people were like angry 
at having been controlled and felt more like they were being compelled by the abyss to attack her. Yeah. Oh, I guess yeah. I guess we'll see. Yeah, my yeah. I feel like my brain can't come up with anything at the moment, but I it does seem yeah, the abyss is so much bigger and stronger than Marissa, obviously, and thinking of her, yeah, trying to use it as a tool. Wild. <laughs> um, one thing that I just thought of when we were talking about Marissa that kind of relates to these chapters is um when Avery and Verona are running around, um, when they're trying to uh circle around Kenneth and block off the Orum, I think. And yep. they kind of fall into these spaces that like aren't the abyss, but like aren't not the abyss. Um Yeah. That reminds me a lot of this like tree area, like the the outskirts, I guess, kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I cause I, it's definitely I, I get the impression from Pale that the abyss is a is is kind of like the the ruins where it's like it's four dimensional. Like there's the normal three dimensions, but then there's also this concept of like depth hmm. and you you can go like down layers. And so, yeah, like the, where these guardians live, like where Blake was going to, going to have his chair and where Avery and Verona were, like that must be like the top layer. Right. And whereas then stuff like the drains is probably much further down. Oh, and then that's interesting thinking of like, maybe the tenements and the library are kind of existing in the same space, but on different layers. Um, yeah. Cause yeah. Cause there's a thing with the abyss kind of mapping to earth but then also mm -hmm. not really mm -hmm. it's very confusing right and yeah it, i mean it would make just as much sense if the tenements had kind of been like shoved off somewhere or were somehow like kind of still reachable from parts of jacob's bell uh or maybe mm. almost like showed up in a like a vibes kind of way and then like the individual could kind of get back out to approximately where they had come down it's cool it's a cool space that is awful and i hate <laughs> Yeah, like, because the, the Abyss's whole thing is just, it's just kind of like, or you could not, right? Like, <laughs> you, you could just, it, it it's just like the shittiest way of doing stuff. Right. Like, and who needs, why do we need to recycle people or whatever? And like, <laughs> why? Well, because the ones that don't get picked up by the Abyss, they go to horrible places like the Paths, which are so terrible. <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe if they end up in the Fey Court, they'd be like, "No, they'd probably <laughs> rather be." I don't know. They're both bad. Yeah, God, that's a that's a Sophie's choice, isn't it? <laughs> like, I, I could like I could imagine someone dying, and the the psychopomp comes up, and it's like, "Well, you're either going to the Abyss or one of the Fairy Courts. Which oh will it be?" God. It's just like, "I can you can you just wipe me from existence? I don't <laughs> I don't want my soul to be immortal." Can anymore? I go to a judge contest? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I yeah, I choose to perish. <laughs> uh, are there any like like the paths are more neutral? <laughs> but is there anywhere like cool and good to go some, to? Some parts of the ruins seem alright. Yeah, like there's the there's the happy parts of the ruins. Um, there was that place Grimsy lived in in. That Pate, yes. like the nature, like if you get that more beautiful part of the na nature realm, yeah, that seemed nice. That seemed nice. Uh, the Warrens, <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, uh, well, 
I guess then it's time, Leah, for you to hit us with that bold and specific prediction <laughs> that you've been holding on to this whole episode. Yeah, I've been trying to consider. Um, yeah, so I guess I think Blake's going to get out of Rose. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I've said I think we're not done dealing with Alexis in this story. Um, it, um, when you say Blake's going to get out of Rose, any any details? Oh, God. <laughs> or, uh, feel free. You could say no. I'm very much putting you on the spot, but I'm just curious if, if you've got any specifics. No, yeah, that's more fun. I feel like for these chapters, I really need something like absolutely out there. Um, <laughs> okay, so we've seen like stick bodies. I wonder if some... Okay, this is bizarre. Okay, what if we got like a reverse Adam and Eve situation where like one of Rose's ribs is used <laughs> to make <laughs> as a like foundation for like a body for Blake. I, uh, sorry, I laughed because I I don't know why, but when you first said that, my <laughs> the picture that came into my head was just a rib with googly eyes and like little <laughs> booties on it, and just like this is Blake now, like. <laughs> oh my god. A decent body would be like if he could. See, well, so I was like, oh, maybe like a if he could like possess a bird, but then like that sucks for the bird. But the, so then like a dead bird, but like that's gross. <laughs> I mean, there is a dead bird in the party right now. Yeah, uh, but Evan needs his own space. <laughs> well, uh, he's he's leaking. Like, isn't that a whole thing? They keep needing to juice juice Evan up. Oh, that's right. Alistair did help fix him up. Um, that's interesting. I don't know if that'd be fun for them. Because <laughs> Evan would be like, wow, Blake, you are really sad. <laughs> <laughs> this is harshing my vibe. <laughs> uh, but then on the other hand, would you rather be roomies with Conquest or Evan? Uh, Evan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I'm just thinking, like, would it be good for Evan? But... He'd be fine, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh they they take one of Rose's ribs and they use clay to make <laughs> that just seems so ridiculous. I don't know. No, I lo- I love that prediction. Cool. <laughs> there's there's gonna be yeah, there'll be fun stuff to talk about with that prediction later, I reckon. Fun. Either way, I hope Googly Eyes will be involved. I'm still I'm trying to remember. <laughs> did you see that picture of uh someone's tattoos? I'm sorry for forgetting of birds and then after i was like with googly eyes that picture is so good it was like this is exactly what i was picturing (laughs) (sighs) cool um sweet well then i guess uh with with the with the 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 ribeye prediction logged in um we should move on to the discussion question Um, Uh, yeah do you want to introduce it because uh because you're you're the ones who asked it i i I had no part in (laughs) in this one I'm just stealing Jenny's thunder on it. Yeah. So um, last week's discussion question was, what is a book title that would appear in this abyssal library for a wildbow character? Um, and we could start with Captain Rhino, who suggested a couple of different books. Um, <laughs> this one is so good. Okay. Oh my God. They're all so good. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um Biography of an unappreciated dad for Brett. Uh, what? I, I love. <laughs> sorry, I, I do love the idea that like 
the book that would tempt and curse Brett is just <laughs> like him, you know, like, you know, it's not the lies they told you or anything. It's not about other people. It's just, hey, <laughs> like, you open that book up and it's just a mirror, you know, like, that's it, just. I really want that. I want it to, op- I want it to be a mirror and then I want, like, some boogeyman or something to pop out around the corner and go, oh, like, burn. <laughs> Yeah, like, because, like, Verona is obviously trying her hardest for her custom bookstore to be ethical. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if a trip to the library for certain customers is maybe not out of, you know, like, if maybe there's a couple of good books in the library for Verona to go scout. I don't know. Start up a partnership between the library and, and her bookstore. It's amazing. Also, I just realized Peter didn't ask about Catherine, which, rude. <laughs> That's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes, another book title uh, that Captain Rhino mentioned would be What Avery Isn't Telling You, and that's for Nora. Yeah, I love that one. (laughs) It's really good. Uh, Remaking the Unmade is for Lucy and Verona, just to make (laughs) us all happy inside. (laughs) Yeah, R.I.P. Mal and Breastbiter. And then 100 Years Lost, Volume 2, for all finders everywhere. Yeah, and me. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that one. Just immediately open. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, th- this is how I die in the abyss. If I saw, like, the what what was the deal with Pisces? Like, that's it for me. Like, go on without me, gang. Uh, that that would have been kind of a funny, because we, we thought that, like, what would be your book or whatever would be, like, too depressing and personal and whatever <laughs> but like your like wild bow related book or something yeah. like something that you would want to know and you wouldn't be able to help yourself <laughs> a correct prediction for pale <laughs> that'd do me i get i get what i like you know i can die happy i'll finally get one thing about the story right and then i can go out content <sighs> well it's just because you got you got some impact that were just you know I, ran I, I think out. I got one. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. <laughs> uh, well, what's yours? Like, like the extended explanations and interludes of like, yeah, just like lingering questions I have about Johannes and like weird things where yeah. like, like I don't know if it's a clue or if it's just like a little wild bow editing thing and it's fine, but like. In 15.4, they were like, Green Eyes, Peter, Ainsley, and the Witch Hunter are out there. And, like, there wasn't a Witch Hunter when we got out there. And then, like, the faceless woman just sort of disappeared. And there was this one, like, big feathered boogeyman who was really, like, cool and amazing. And they go off to fight the dragon with him or whatever. But then he's not there when they fight the dragon. Just, like, things like that where I'm like, is Hmm. what is this? (laughs) Where did they go? Where did they go? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um, yeah, that's like, uh, I don't know if this was one of the books down there. Maybe I've just forgotten, but I feel like you could probably get uh, a two for one deal of Rose and Blake just with like a book that was like, what What was Grandma Rose's plan? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I know when I was up to this part of the story, I would I would have gone for that one too. <gasps> oh, crap. <laughs> Um, uh, another discussion question answer we got was uh, from Beleg Tal, who 
uh, t- said their book was for a character in Worm. Uh, they, but they didn't say which one. But the the book's title is just "You Needed Were the Opponent." So, unfortunately, we will never know who that was for. Yeah, no idea. Really cryptic. Mm. <laughs> Too obscure a reference for me. Indeed. Oh, I think another good one for a worm character would be um, how to get everyone to work together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then finally, a bird says. Uh, they think the library could get a clean sweep on all of Wild Bill's protagonists with a book titled How to Save All of the People You Love. <laughs> yeah, and I think the response there, the, the the Discord chat gave to this one was the book would just contain the words, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would fuck them up. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I think this is kind of a fun new discussion question idea do you want to pitch it yeah yeah if you're if you're keen for this one this was just the first thing that popped into my head um i'm curious what would it take for you to accept an abyssal job offer so would this specifically be for being a gatekeeper or just like i I mean i i reckon it'd be interesting to hear if people have other because there's other stuff you can do this right like there's be the apprentice to leonard in pale that's that's a <laughs> position that keeps reopening. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't, I was picturing I was picturing the gatekeeper stuff. Yeah, I but guess the scourge I, is kind of like did yeah. Rose? She kind of accepted a job. That's true. Yeah, maybe more the gatekeeper vibes then, just because because otherwise people could cheat and they could just be like, <laughs> well, I'm just going to be a cool scourge that rules <laughs> with my awesome top hat. Yeah, <laughs> and my domain that's in the abyss because. That's my happy place. That was weird. That was upsetting. Yeah. His poor family. I mean, I guess Verona's got a third of hers in Kennet below, so. Yeah, but they're make they're trying to make it a nice place. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, cool. So yeah, what uh what would it take for you to accept a job as an abyssal gatekeeper, I guess? Sweet. Do you have any ideas? Hmm. I'm just like I'm too happy to sit in one spot for hours at a time anyway. Like, you know, like uh-huh. it, it, like just an inter- a good internet connection might honestly do it. <laughs> um, See, I'm, I'm a little concerned about like, do I have to fight <laughs> the bookworm or whatever? Like, do I, like, presumably Blake doesn't just get to say you shall not pass or whatever. Like, he'd have to like fight people and. Yeah. Well, I assume the abyss gives you like you know a, a karmic advantage and a bit of a boost, you know, like yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I mean that that would be my concern for me in this job is I'm not quite as good at fighting as as Blake. Um, <laughs> I have less experience. <laughs> um, so yeah, like a couple of machine guns with magic bullets that kill boogeymen would wouldn't hurt. Uh, yeah, actually, something like that could make it a lot easier. Yeah, but then uh, you'd what get about like yourself? the Matrix boogeyman, <laughs> the one. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I don't know. Like, part of me wants to say like like a lot of books or whatever, but I don't know that I'm like that good at reading anymore. Um, I, just like a lot of crafting projects and like really good food, just like stuff that I don't think the Abyss would really give me because it wouldn't want me to. It could probably make twist the craft project somehow to be awful but then i 
want to do it. There's a there's there's a one hundred thousand piece jigsaw puzzle, but at the end it turns out it's missing a piece. <laughs> also, it's um it's a landscape picture of just like the ocean. No, so it's all blue. I did a jigsaw like that. I've actually got it up on the wall. It's like what? it's this map, but it's but it's all yellow. Like it's like a, this artistic map, and it was just like it was such a nightmare to put together. <laughs> like I don't know who designed it. A fucking idiot. I mean, but like I'm talking, I built the damn thing, so like I'm not any smarter. Why like, did you? I mean, it's I, it's cool that you were proud enough that you were like this is memorialized forever on my wall. But I have a bunch. I've got like. In oh. this room, I got seven seven puzzles I built, and I built the frames for them and everything. Wow! It was like a it was like a little phase I went through. What's your favorite? Um. Oh, there's one at the. Oh, I'm pointing at it like you can see. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh. It, it's it's this um scene from The Legend of Zelda: Majora's Mask. I'll mm. post like a photo in the Discord or something if anybody wants. Yeah. Um, I was just yeah. The the restaurant we had our, my bridal shower at actually had a puzzle on the wall that was the uh, ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, like the whole thing, not just Whoa. the creation of Adam. It was really cool. Um, how how big like was the puzzle? Um, because I feel like you could get pretty big with that. It it was. Um, I almost want to say, try to remember how big a meter is. <laughs> oh, I I can translate from. It's about. Three feet to a meter. Okay, so I, I'd say like maybe a little like one point seven five meters long, and okay, like I wow. guess like a meter high or something. It was pretty big. It took up a lot of space on the wall. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, but yeah, well, I guess uh, unless there's anything else, um, thanks, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast please subscribe share it with your friends and leave a rating and review to support our podcast go to patreon.com forward slash doof media and if you'd like to support wildbo as he continues to write fantastic for stories go to patreon.com forward slash wildbo you can follow the pod on twitter at pale comparison or send us an email at pale in comparison pod at gmail.com Keep an eye out for our Reddit thread in r slash parahumans, where you can answer a discussion question and share your thoughts on this episode. In addition, if you would like to see all of my predictions laid out, check out our episode description for a link to a prediction tracker. Next episode, we will be covering chapters 15.6 and 15.7. A much saner pairing of chapters. Um, <laughs> also, uh, I just want to give a quick shout out. Uh, I only just learned that there's a spreadsheet with all of your episodes and then what <clears throat> chapter of pale they correspond to um which is great for people catching up so i guess not really the audience who's listening to this but that's a great resource so if you've got a friend and you're trying to get them into this podcast and they're reading pale send them that yeah i also um tried to i should put a better link to that spreadsheet somewhere um i've been trying to update the episode descriptions and i think i've done all the ones on like podcatchers but not the doof website or youtube yet um oh, but that sounds like a slog yeah <laughs> just they're not done yet <laughs> but um yeah hopefully that's useful because someone on reddit was like when can i start this podcast and i was like hey <laughs> i can figure yeah, it out i just sent it uh 
Kipos, who will be listening to this soon, hopefully, is mm. is currently in the process of catching up, and I sent her the link to because she was she was going through that. She's behind in both the podcast and the story, but now she won't be. Yay! Um. Uh. But yeah. So. Uh. I guess closing out with a fun fact. I found this fact, which is it's illegal to own just one guinea pig in Switzerland. Because they need a friend. Yeah. That's so nice. They're, they're social creatures, and Switzerland was like, make sure they've got friends. Oh, I love which is that. Like, yeah, I think that's a good policy. Like, uh, my family did that growing up with dogs and, and cats and stuff too, and I think it's just a good idea. Yeah. That's like, it's not always feasible, obviously, but it's nice. Right. And with something like a guinea pig it's probably a little bit easier to just kind of like have two um, yeah i feel like with a guinea pig if you've got the setup for one mm-hmm. it shouldn't take much to throw another one in there because the cages are usually pretty big mm-hmm. we had a lot of guinea pigs growing up huh. in our place at one and point they kept we getting pregnant <laughs> nice <laughs> well we kept buying girls it was like what? it was a real jurassic park moment <laughs> Yeah, but well, no, we we kept buying girls from shady guinea pig sellers, so it turns oh, sure, out weren't sure. girls. They weren't girls. Yeah. yeah, we at one point had mice. Um, Jenny convinced mom that mice were cute or something, and she's like <laughs> never really gotten over it. But yeah, we couldn't have one mouse because it'd be sad. Yeah. And then I think it was like so we had two mice, but then one of them we were like holding it outside of the cage or whatever and it got off into some like hole somewhere and so then we needed to get another mouse because then the one that was left needed a friend but then the first mouse <laughs> came back so then we had three mice <laughs> mom was just so affronted at this like <laughs> that she had three mice living in her house that she was feeding and taking care of <laughs> I, this ha- or at least in our family this was what always happens with pets is like as a parent i feel like once you like open the door a little bit it's the floodgates open and suddenly pets just yeah it's like oh we, we need a mouse oh okay we'll get a second one then somehow you end up with three and it's just like what how is this how has this happened always <laughs> um like yeah because we had we had mice for a bit at one point but a crow broke into their cage <gasps> and took them. Oh! No, that was it for us. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> Poor baby. Well, my sister saw it happen too. They were her <gasps> mice. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, they've got a lot of. My sisters watched a lot of their pets die. They've got. They were vegetarian for most of their teenage years because. <laughs> wow. They uh, they saw some stuff. <laughs> that's awful. Yeah, and then like a bunch of times we buried pets, and then there were foxes who'd come and dig them up. Oh, <laughs> yeah, good times, good times. Well, on that note, thank you so much for <laughs> joining me, uh, Jenny. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Uh, I like, yeah, what a what a trio of chapters. I was I was making fun before, but like, great chapters to come and uh, get get a chance to revisit. Definitely. Um, and yeah, well, so I guess. Uh, Malia will be back next week. Uh, to yeah, almost round out arc fifteen. I'm so excited. Cool. Bye everyone. See ya.